for listening, but please be advised that while I do the best I can, I hold no degrees in the topics I talk about. Please use scientific skepticism to confirm I'm not pulling shit out of my ass like some other folk out there. And please call me on shit if and when I do get something wrong. You can do that at livingthroughextinction at gmail.com. Please also be aware of the fact that I do swear and I don't bleep anything out, so listener discretion is advised. And this is episode 91 of Living Through Extinction, a short to the point podcast with science and skepticism, environment and wildlife, and stuff I find interesting that I want to learn more about. Today I talk about how some people can't back up their claims without telling lies, the future bots which will one day be patrolling our water systems, and hacking photosynthesis. Then I spend a bit of time backing up my accusations of deflection and hypocrisy against Republicans and conservatives. If you've joined me before, then thank you for returning. I seriously do appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to Living Through Extinction, welcome. I hope you find it both fun and informative. And if you're interested in supporting the show, all the possible ways are listed after the final segment and thank yous. As a skeptic, if I'm going to state things to back up my claims and beliefs, I have to make sure those claims are correct. You can tell when someone knows deep down that they have it wrong, because instead of going over the facts of the issue that actually bother them, they will make up a repeat bogus, bullshit, conservative talking points. In other words, lies. Using abortion as an example. If someone doesn't agree with it and they feel they have factual reasons for it that don't have anything to do with feelings or bias and don't use lies or propaganda to back those claims, then that's their opinion on it and that's fine. I consider it to be an uneducated opinion, but whatever. If someone starts spouting the bullshit lies that come from Republican and conservatives, then they are being completely dishonest about the whole thing. They can't think of any factual basis to base their claims on, and they absolutely refuse to admit that these claims are based on their personal feelings and not on facts and truth, so they repeat the lies. And they know they are lies. Everyone knows these things are lies, but they use them anyway. That's some willful ignorance and some huge dishonesty. Examples? Donald Trump, direct quote, the Democrat position on abortion is now so extreme that they don't mind executing babies after birth. Unquote. Literally never even brought up by any Democrat ever. Just a lie pulled out of his ass. Todd Akin, direct quote. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. Unquote. The fact that anyone bought into this outrageous lie is telling of the U.S. education system. Just awful. Ted Cruz, direct quote. We've seen far too many Democrats embrace extreme positions on abortion, abortion up to the moment of birth, and even horrifically after that. Again, not a position being embraced by any Democrat ever. You're talking about murder, asshole. They are just made-up lies. If they truly believed that they were right, they would not be using lies to back up their claims. 
If they truly believed they were right, they would use facts to back their beliefs. If in defending a stance you have, you have to make up lies in order to defend your stance, then you don't actually believe your stance is valid. Otherwise, you would use true things to defend it instead of making up bullshit. Be skeptical, damn it. It looks like AI minibots are going to be the future of detection and repair when it comes to things like gas and water pipes. Quite a few groups of researchers from universities all over the world are working on different designs. Detection of leaks or damage that may result in leaks is very difficult and in some places impossible, which is why water distribution systems lose an average of 20% of their supply to leaks. This is not just massively adding to the shortage of safe drinking water, but the leaks are getting in and around structures, creating unstable foundations, and contaminated water sometimes backs up into the clean system. A rough worldwide estimate of the wasted drinking water due to leaks every year is 344.5 billion liters, or 91 billion gallons. Current detection and repair processes are costly and slow to operate, and they do not work well in systems that use wood, clay, or plastic pipes. And these are the pipes that make up the majority of water systems in the developing world. Tethered bots have been used in some cases, but they all have limitations when compared with the newer, unleashed products being developed. One team of engineering is doing research at the Integrated Civil and Infrastructure Research Centre in the UK. They are testing AI-powered miniature robots to patrol inside water pipes, check for leaks, and make repairs. They call them pipe bots, and these pipe bots are about the size of a small toy car. The goal is for them to go where people can't and conduct repairs from the inside rather than digging down and replacing parts altogether. They hope to one day have sustainable groupings of pipe bots inside all of our underground water pipes. The pipe bots are equipped with special legs so they can continue on through sludge or gravel if they come across it. A microphone and camera are built into each bot and it's through these that leaks and potential damage are detected. The bots are also equipped with AI to analyze pipe issues and come up with the best repair solutions. All data will be stored and over time the bots will hopefully be able to detect where a future problem is about to occur and something can be done as a preventative measure rather than full repair and replacement. There are still some major challenges to overcome but they have ideas and are in the process of implementing and testing. One issue is the GPS won't work in these pipe systems, so they need to develop a new method of navigating them about. One idea being bounced around is to upload maps of the pipe systems to the bots, but there are some cities where the oldest parts of these systems don't even have maps. That's another thing they can be used for, mapping out these older systems. They also need a way for the bots to communicate with each other while down there, for when a repair job might require more than one of them to work together. Some of the ideas for overcoming this are short-range sound or Wi-Fi signals, or a mother bot which would go into the pipe system with the mini bots and they would all be connected through the mother. There's talk of testing them in gas pipes as well, but they are still about four to five years from getting their product out into the world. A totally different type of robot has been developed by researchers at MIT, and they are much further along with their pipe guard bot in terms of usability, though theirs is strictly a detection system, not a repair system. 
A lot of the work on this project was sponsored by and collaborated with King Fahd University of Petroleum and Minerals in Saudi Arabia, where an estimated 33% of precious drinking water is regularly lost through leakage. After nine years of developing and testing, they have created a system which they say is a fast, inexpensive way to find and pinpoint the tiniest leak, no matter what material the pipe is made of. They have been using the concrete water distribution pipes under Monterey, Mexico for testing. This is an ideal spot because Monterey loses an estimated 40% of their supply to leaks every year. On top of the waste, this also costs the city $80 million in lost revenue, so it's understandable why they agreed for their pipes to be used for this testing. The pipe guard system is very simple. The bots are small and rubbery. I saw them described as looking like oversized badminton birdies. They can be inserted into a water system through any fire hydrant connected to it, and then be retrieved through another hydrant connected to the same system. Its movement is passive. It just goes with the flow, literally, and logs its position as it travels. A soft rubber skin covers the exterior, and it can detect small variations in pressure by sensing the pull at the edges of the skin. This is how the leaks are detected. Future goals are to make the robots more flexible and collapsible, and to make them so they can adapt quickly to pipes of different diameters. This is necessary in places like Boston, where the underground water system is made up of 6, 8, and 12-inch pipes. They also, of course, intend to commercialize the system, which, interestingly, was initially developed to detect gas leaks, but later adapted for water pipes, and they seem to have stayed on that track. One very small leak found during testing was letting out one gallon per minute, which is one-tenth of the size of what other systems are able to find. The research team will be presenting their product, testing, and results at the next International Conference on Intelligent Robots and Systems. That's just two of the miniature robots we may one day have in water systems all over the world. If this interests you, look into it. There are plenty more interesting products in development. Another thing being studied at different universities, but for different purposes, is photosynthesis. Hacking photosynthesis could potentially lead to the growth of up to 60% more food on the same amount of land as used now. This is something we need as the population keeps growing, requiring more space for people, but also requiring more space to feed the people. At our current rate of breeding, we're going to need to double the amount of food currently grown by 2050. If we don't want to be packing ourselves in like sardines in order to use more land to grow, we need to figure out how to get more out of the farmland we have now. Hacking photosynthesis may also lead to new clean fuel and or energy ideas. Photosynthesis powers the majority of life on Earth, and as great as it is, plants are not generally very efficient at it. Only a fraction of sunlight a plant receives is actually captured and used by it to grow. An international team of physicists, chemists, and biologists led by the University of Cambridge have been working to hack the earliest stages of photosynthesis. They were able to study the process in live cells at an ultra-fast timescale. Ultra-fast spectroscopy was used to follow the flow of energy in the living photosynthetic cells. One thing they discovered was something we've been wrong about. The chemicals that can extract electrons from the molecular structure responsible for photosynthesis do so at the initial stages rather than much later as was believed. Part of their studies focused on how a ring-shaped molecule called a quinone or quinone, I have no idea how to pronounce it, is able to steal electrons from the photosynthesis process. 
They've been using the ultra-fast transient absorption spectroscopy technique to study how these quinones behave in living photosynthetic cyanobacteria. While they thought they were just going to be using a new technique to confirm what is already considered to be true, they instead unexpectedly found a new pathway and got a better look at the process. They've been able to learn about how the protein scaffold where the initial chemical reactions of photosynthesis take place is what I saw described as leaky. It lets electrons escape during the process. Thanks to these observations, they've discovered a new way to extract energy from the process, which could potentially lead to new ways of generating clean fuel in a renewable way. This research has support from a lot of organizations. There's the Engineering and Physical Sciences Research Council and the Biotechnology and Biological Science Research Council, the Winton Program for the Physics of Sustainability at the University of Cambridge, the Cambridge Commonwealth, and more. The results of the research have been published in the journal Nature. Hacking photosynthesis is being studied at other universities for other uses as well. The University of Illinois altered a gene in tobacco plants to make photosynthesis more efficient, and the result was an astounding 40% increase of mass in the field. That's nothing to take lightly. Their work has been published in the journal Science. And that's just two examples. If this work with photosynthesis interests you, go online and seek out other studies. There are plenty of them to look at. Lot of accusing Republicans and conservatives of hypocrisy and deflection, especially on my videos. As a skeptic, I thought I should take some time to provide a few examples of why we know this is true. So this episode is me bringing the receipts. I've noticed, particularly in TikTok, that people on the right will make claims of things being done by LGBT people, drag queens, and liberals in general, and then disappear as soon as you ask them for an example of their claim. They never have one because they just heard some other right-wing nutjobs say it's happening and they believed it. I don't want to be like those kinds of people. So today I'm going to explain why I call them hypocrites and deflectors with a few clear, true examples which everyone in North America have been witness to in the last seven years. And if you were under a rock somewhere, you must know someone who wasn't. Each is also a matter of public record. Each is verifiable, not made up out of whole cloth like the things Republicans in the U.S. say about Democrats and the Conservatives in Canada say about Liberals. I'm not ready to stoop to their level. Yet. I'm sure they'll push me there eventually. But for now, a few verifiable examples. These will not be chronological. The latest pattern over the last couple of years has been Republicans and Conservatives convincing their base that some made-up thing is going on, getting their base super angry about it. And then, when some time passes, they themselves end up doing that very thing. It's wild. Like when COVID death rates were climbing, the Republican and Conservative claim was that it was not as dangerous as people made it out to be. When death rates hit huge numbers, they made the claim that liberal doctors were marking anyone with COVID who dies of anything as having died from COVID. They claimed that people were dying from accidents and disease and it was being recorded by the doctors as a COVID death. They never provided verifiable examples of this. No evidence was ever presented. That's because this is not something that was happening. If it was, they would have been able to provide something to at least hint at it. But it makes sense that they would assume it was happening because that's how they work. And if there's one thing I've come to understand in life, it's that bad people expect everybody to be bad. 
People who steal expect that everybody steals. People who lie expect that everybody lies. People who would inflate numbers using victims of accident and disease would expect that everyone would inflate numbers using victims of accident and disease. The Republicans continuously and dishonestly used VAERS information to back their claims. Every right-winger I ever saw trying to convince people the vaccines were dangerous used VAERS. The thing is, VAERS is a self-reporting system with no checks. VAERS themselves claim that their system should not be used for data collection as they do not verify actual causes or even if all the submissions are real people. This is from VAERS themselves. They do not claim any authenticity to any of their numbers. Their data is useless, which would explain why the Republicans are using it. Hmm. VAERS, it turns out, when follow-ups finally started to be done by outside sources, was inundated with reports that turned out to be people passing in accidents or from disease, or people who didn't exist at all. Two of the three, which Republicans and Conservatives accused those demonic liberal doctors of doing with COVID deaths. If you can look at this example and come out of it with the belief that this is not hypocrisy and or deflection, then I seriously want to hear from you. Give me your explanation. Let me know how you see it because I don't understand. It's wild how they can rile their base up into a frenzy over the left supposedly doing this when it wasn't happening. And then they can do that exact thing and their base don't blink an eye. That is cult behavior. Remember Hillary's emails? The chance of Lock her up, lock her up. When nothing had ever been proven and her laptop and emails were gone through and they found nothing. But when Trump breaks the law again and again, they don't have a problem with it. When did he break the law? Your racist uncle is yelling. Well, there was that phone call with the Georgia reps about finding 20,000 more votes about just getting 20,000 more votes, there has to be a way. That's available to listen to, by the way, and all who were present confirm its legitimacy. Except Trump, of course, who pretends it never happened. Thank goodness everyone on the other end of that call was not fully corrupted. I believe Georgia is placing charges against him for attempting to corrupt the election process or something like that, which is wild. And that's just the one call that got caught on tape and released. I wonder how many there actually were. Then, of course... There's also the documents inciting an insurrection, treason, so many broken laws. Republicans have no issues with it when he breaks the law. Hypocrisy and deflection. I mean, they're even hypocritical about the investigations themselves. Cries for Hillary's emails. Cries to get her, rape her, string her up. Cries for Biden's laptop. And then when it's Trump's turn, the same people cry constitutional infringement. You can't go through his shit. That's against the Constitution. Hypocrisy. Tony Perkins called for the impeachment of Clinton when he was in office. Then he called for the impeachment of Obama when he was in office. Then, when Trump was in office, he said, you just can't impeach a sitting president with a straight face. Hypocrite. Did anyone else notice that the Republicans are saying that if Joe Biden locks up Trump, his opponent, then that makes him a dictator? By the way, Biden has stepped away from it all. He will have no say in whether or not Trump does time. But that's reality, which doesn't matter to them. Did anyone else notice that at the same time they were saying Trump going to jail makes Biden a dictator, Trump was promising to do that exact thing, declaring that if he becomes president, he's going to destroy his opponents. He is outright admitting that he plans to go full dictatorship. 
It's the same here in Canada. The far right put out all sorts of propaganda that Trudeau is a dictator. Well, most of them know better. They still want to convince the naive masses of that, get him out, and put in their own dictatorship. They really are following the U.S. step by fascist step. Hypocrisy and deflection all the way. And, of course, the massive outputting of bullshit propaganda, which for some reason people see as real life. One minute Republicans are crying about bodily autonomy because businesses are requiring masks. The next they're taking away bodily autonomy from all women they have power to do so to. One minute they're shouting that wearing a mask should be a personal choice, and the next they're bullying kids who choose to wear them when visiting schools. One minute they're calling masks and vaccine requirements in schools unconstitutional, and the next they want their personal religions pushed on all kids in those same schools. One minute, they're wailing about the rights of private businesses to operate as they see fit, and the next they are condemning those same businesses which choose to require masks along with shirts and shoes in order to receive service. They were given the choice, as the right demanded they be given, and then they used that choice, and the right lost their shit because it wasn't the choice they wanted the business to make. One minute they are crying about erasing history with the removal of statues, and the next they are literally removing history books from schools and having them rewritten to leave out what they don't like. One minute they are calling the left sensitive snowflakes, and within a couple of years those same people are saying that real history books make little white boys feel bad and have to be removed. Boo-hoo. Fucking hypocrisy after hypocrisy. Speaking of books, when Alex Jones started to be banned by some social media companies, a choice those companies had every right to make, Republicans in the U.S. and conservatives in Canada whined that it was the dirty liberals attacking free speech. It wasn't. It was just a matter of privately owned companies making the choices they had every right to make. One year later, and those same dumb fucks who accused liberals of attacking free speech were banning and burning books. So what the fuck happened to free speech? They never actually cared about it. Their goal is to end that shit. But by falsely convincing their base that a company banning a client who refused to follow their rules and regulations was an attack on free speech, they deflected from what they were planning all along, which is to actually end free speech. That's what book bans and burns are the beginning of. Deflection and hypocrisy. Republicans and conservatives spend a ridiculous amount of time saying liberals must hate children. Republicans have called themselves the party of parents and the party for families. Yet, it's those same Republicans who consistently vote down any and all bills that actually favor children and families in any way. They vote no to expanding the child tax credit. They vote no to paid family and medical leave. They vote no to child care subsidies. They vote no to lunches for children in schools. They vote no on restrictions to child marriage. They vote no on punishing parents of abuse and neglect if they do so in the name of their religion. They vote yes to annihilating child labor laws. But it's liberals who must hate children. More fucking hypocrisy. This one is annoying because all of those votes are a matter of public record, but their base just ignores them completely. Come on, wake the fuck up. Stop believing what you see on social media and look at the actual votes taking place on the floor in your state. Have you noticed that those who say kneeling for the anthem as a form of protest is disrespectful to the country are the same people who display the Confederate flag? The losing side? The side of traitors who tried to take the U.S. down? 
The flag that they would love to become the American flag? The flag that represents those who still want to take over the country? That's the flag they display while saying kneeling during the anthem is disrespectful to the nation. Hypocrisy and deflection. Let's go over one more. There are thousands more, but I don't have that kind of time. Do you recall the propaganda being spread by right-wing pundits about businesses asking for proof of vaccination? They compared it to Jewish people having to show their papers in Nazi Germany. They don't see the major difference here, which is Jewish people were being prosecuted for being Jewish, something they had no control over. They were born that way. Choosing not to be vaccinated is a completely different thing. You can choose not to wear a shirt and plenty of establishments will refuse to serve you, as is their right to choose. So, these same fuckwits who compared proof of vaccination with showing papers in Nazi Germany are the same fuckwits who now want you to have to show your genitalia to prove you're dressed in a manner they approve of. Who now want to see your genitalia if you want to play sports? Who now want to see your birth certificate before you enter a public washroom? That's a hell of a lot more comparable to Nazi Germany than proof of vaccination, you dumb fucks. Those who let themselves get distracted with the false narratives of dictatorship and fascism where it isn't and go on to share the propaganda are the ones who are actually helping the actual dictators and fascists grab hold. Next time a Republican or conservative says that the evil liberals are up to this now, take a moment and find out if it's true. Next time a Republican or conservative tries to compare a public safety measure to Nazi Germany, take a moment to look at what they're saying and whether or not we're talking about how people are born or the choices people make. I see good people who think they're on the right side of things sharing this propaganda on the reg not realizing that it is they who are actually assisting the actual dictators and fascists to progress. This isn't my skeptical segment, but I do wish that they would all learn to be skeptical, damn it. My positive today is personal, as it's simply the happiness that comes with the end of winter and the time of year when I can spend my days outside. Our winters are long and miserable. I pretty much go from work to home and nowhere else. Once it warms up and the snow goes away, if I'm not working, I'm likely outside of my yard. I'm just happy there. I recently drew out my property to scale to make it easier to see things as a whole and have officially made the final plans for the front yard west of the sidewalk, as well as the west side of the house. I know my time is limited to be able to work on these things, so I put in as many evenings and weekends as I can from the moment the snow is gone until it covers everything again. Then I'm stuck hunkering down and thinking about what I'm going to do for the next four to six months while I can't do a damn thing about any of my ideas. At least with this to scale digital image I now have of the property, if I come up with an idea I can map it out and see if it'll work, even in the winter. While a bit of an introvert most of the time, I do very much enjoy the opportunities to spend outside time with friends when summer comes along. Attending a jam outside a fire in a backyard, taking over the Petula campground for a week, or camping out at our friend's beautiful homestead with all of our musical friends. I'm looking forward to a lot of fulfillment from my time alone outside, as well as enjoyment of time with friends outside during this all too brief period without snow. That's all I have for August, but please consider subscribing to the YouTube for short weekly skeptical videos. Thank you for listening. May your health and sanity continue to be replenished daily. My eternal gratitude goes out to the following people. Jason Martin for helping me get started on this project more than three and a half years ago. I wouldn't be doing this right now if not for him. 
Kathy Rayner for her musical contribution on the violin. Paul Palmer for his musical contribution on the guitar. He can be found at WPG Suitcase Drummer on Instagram. Dustin Harder for composing and recording the intro and outro for the show. You can find him on Instagram at Prairie Soul Music. And finally, thank you to my wild household for putting up with me. I love all of you so much. I hope you will choose to join me again in two weeks for episode 92 of Living Through Extinction. If you enjoy Living Through Extinction and would like to support the show, the best ways to do so are to subscribe and rate and to comment and like positive comments on your favorite podcast player. Or you can help out by following, liking, and sharing on all the social medias. The show can be found under Living Through Extinction on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, and TikTok, and under LTE Pod on Twitter and Hive. There's also a Patreon at patreon.com slash livingthroughextinction. There you can earn stickers, pins, masks, and more, as well as help me to plant some trees. If you have any comments, corrections, questions, or suggestions, please email them to livingthroughextinction at gmail.com or message me through one of the social medias. 